The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. Let's pray. We're going to get into Judges chapter 6 today. Uh, it was false advertisement last week because um, as the message was unfolding, I just began to realize like there's too much for one sermon. Um, so today is part two of Strongholds from Judges t- chapter 6, specifically how to tear down strongholds that are in our life. And we redefine strongholds. So if you missed last week, don't worry. You can podcast it. And I'm also going to do a quick little recap. We're going to pray and then recap and then get into God's word this morning. Father, um, Lord, I'm thankful for the opportunity that we have to gather, to hear your words, to hear your voice spoken to us through your holy scripture. Lord, I pray that today would be a day where people find freedom, freedom from besetting addictions, from faulty thinking, freedom from things that are tearing down their lives and not building them up. God, I pray that today would be a day that I find freedom. And Lord, I pray that we would all have hearts open to hearing your voice being challenged and that when we leave here today, we wouldn't just leave ideas and principles behind in a parking lot, but we would have your eternal truth begin to shape us and change us from the inside out. God, it's all for your name and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. All God's kids said, amen. amen. You know what I love about first services? Every church I've ever been at, um, the first service, is, it's always the smaller service, but for some reason, they... You, they sing the loudest. Like with this many people in this room, you guys sing so loud and it, it made my heart happy uh, during the singing this morning. Uh, like I said, Judges chapter 6, uh, last week we began to look at the story of Gideon. God found Gideon hiding because he was afraid. He was hiding from people because he thought if he went out in the open, his enemies would take him. So he was, he was living in his dysfunctional life. Uh, so that other people wouldn't see him and oppress him and persecute him. And God showed up in his life. And the beginning of being freed from any stronghold is an encounter with God. It has to begin with an encounter with the living God. And we defined stronghold last week as this. A stronghold is a mindset, a value system, or a thought process that hinders your growth and keeps you from exalting Jesus above everything in your life. A stronghold, contrary to what some people say a stronghold is, is not just the evil things that we hold on to. In Christianity, we think of a stronghold often as like, well, alcohol is my stronghold, or or sexual addictions are my stronghold, or gambling is my stronghold. And we think of a stronghold as something that we hold on to. Rather, the Bible tells us from 2 Corinthians that a stronghold is our broken way of thinking. A stronghold is a mindset that leads to searching for meaning, significance, and security in something that is not God. So that was Gideon last week, and this week we're going to continue. We're going to pick it up in verse 22, because we saw God's um, terrible people-picking abilities. God always picks the worst of the worst. God always picks the people who are low skill, low wisdom. That's why we are all here. Low skill, low wisdom. Amen. And you remember last week, I I was like, we got to get charismatic last week. And you were like with 90% of the charisma. So, uh, so keep it up this week. Just keep, keep coming at me like this. And today, we're picking it up right after, or right as Gideon is finally realizing that the angel of the Lord he is talking to is God himself, right in front of him. God packaged in flesh. 
Gideon finally gets it, and and we're going to sort of go a little bit behind where we ended last week because we didn't get to do it justice. Verse 22 is where we are beginning. Then Gideon perceived that he was, this person, the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear you shall not die. I love that. Just right there. You know those things that you tell people like, what would you do if you only had 24 hours left to live? Have you guys ever played that game in your head? Or maybe if you like, grew up in the country, you, know, you already know what you would do. You'd write a bowl named Fu Manchu. Am I right? Just seeing if you guys know that song. Um, God tells Gideon, peace be to you, do not fear, you shall not die. Now that doesn't mean ever. That doesn't mean ever. All of us die. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, I, I have conversations about death uh, quite often um, because it's one of my the subjects that fascinates me most. But, but what if you had, in the midst of a situation, a sort of carte blanche, you get it all, God says, what I'm, a, what I'm about to send you to do, you will not die. How confident would you walk in that situation no matter what you've been afraid of god himself because gideon just realized gideon says you are god and then god says okay my peace be with you my shalom be with you my presence will be around you you're not gonna die it's like god is prepping him because he knows he's gonna ask him to do something difficult but god wants him to know i'm gonna be with you this is gonna end up okay and part of, part of going against our strongholds, our faulty thinking, the addictions that grab us, all of these things that weigh us down, I need to tell you before we get to those things, you will not die when you find freedom from your strongholds. It might feel like you're going to die. You might not know or believe that you can live when you get rid of some of these things, but I promise you, and if you don't believe me, believe God, He will be with you as you purge these things from your life. So uh, there's a, one of my favorite little chunks of Scripture in the book of Hebrews is in chapter 12. And um, I was thinking about this this week because we're going to talk about removing strongholds, removing faulty thinking from our lives. And uh, there's this passage in Hebrews that teaches us how we are to run with Jesus. And I don't know about you, but um, I, I'm, I'm trying to learn to love running. Is, anyone, is there any lovers of running here? Does anyone just love it? They wake up and they're like, okay, so like, Four people, one of them's under 10. Uh, love running. Uh, maybe the next service will be some more runners. Um, one of the things, though, when I start running, I, I don't have uh, the gear for running. I've got basketball shoes. So my, and my basketball shoes, they're old school. Like, I haven't bought a new pair of shoes in probably, I don't know, 10, 15 years. So they're like uh, giant size 14, Laker purple. And this was before they made like the breathable kind. Like it's, I mean, We're talking the leatherette toe so your foot is in an oven. And then I don't have those shorts that guys wear when they go. I've seen all these fish hot guys. I mean, these are grown men. They wear like these thin Daisy Duke looking shorts. I don't do that. Um, I got basketball shorts and Laker purple uh, high top sneakers like I'm straight out of the NBA from 1997, okay? Um, and this is what I run in. And, and I don't run in like a tank top because I got these like noodle fettuccine arms, you know, I'm self-conscious. So I'm running in like a double XL shirt my basketball shorts down to here, my Laker purple sneakers, 
And then I'm running in Florida nowadays, which is, um, if you've been anything like me, the last uh, 10 days have been horrendous. My morning routine is like um, Claritin, Flonase, Benadryl, coffee, 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 Benadryl, coffee, coffee, coffee. That's what I've just been doing and going on and on. So you go out and run in this weather, and even on my app, it says, this is a bad day to go outside. Like your app, my weather app tells me this now. Is the air quality? Very poor. But I have to run. So I'll go out and... And by run, I'm, I'm using that term very generously. Like, I think if I started walking, it'd be faster than this weird shuffle I'm doing as I'm cooking my feet in the Florida heat. And, uh, and I started to realize, you know what I've got to do? I've got to get myself some real running shoes. Because I had a pair of, like, running shoes, but they were getting all flat and bald on the bottom, so I couldn't wear those out anymore. So I'm wearing my basketball shoes. I thought, you know what I need to do? I need to go get some of those Daisy Duke-looking things. Those bright yellow shorts that they wear. You know what I'm talking about? The ones with the slit up high. And I'm already leg for days, so it's just going to terrify all the humans. The little kids will be like, Mommy, what is that? The monster, spaghetti monster. And they're just running. And, uh, and, but if I got these shorts, and if I got those shoes, because I went to a running store, and um, they got these running stores, they watch you run. And they tell you, like, oh, here's how jacked up your feet are. You need this shoe. And they basically hand me, like, a RoboCop boot. And, um, and, and they're light. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And they're like, oh, do you have a running clothes? I was like, yeah, here's my shirt. It's, I got this from a brewery when I was like 16, you know, whatever. And uh, I'm like, no, no, you need a wicking shirt. A wicking shirt? What's a wicking shirt? Well, it's, it takes your sweat and it just <laughs> shoots it off you while you run. I'm like, wait, wait, you're telling me there's a shirt that will shoot sweat off of me. You're telling me there's shoes that feel like I'm wearing feathers, yet they protect my feet. And there's shorts where I have full mobility if I had what we call mobility. Well, yeah, you, if you get this, for sure, you will run further and faster than you've ever run. So it's, I'm going to try it. I'm not going to do a pick. None of you say picker didn't happen because you don't want that pick because it will happen. And, um, but but I've, I've begun to like get a couple things, change a little bit. And any runners in here know this. When you go to run, it helps. The gear you're wearing helps. The gear you're wearing can determine how fast, how far you can go, and how tired or not tired you will get. And in Hebrews chapter 12, it gives us a recipe, one of these recipes for for really getting out of any stronghold addiction. It says, I want you to lay aside, put aside every encumbrance, lay aside every weight. I like that word it uses in some of the translations. Put aside every weight that slows you down. And fix your eyes on Jesus. So many of us, before we even get into this idea, because Gideon's about to press into dealing with his issues, his family issues, his personal issues, but so many of us started out today with weights on us. We started out today spiritually in our size 14, Laker purple pleather shoes with oversized basketball shorts and a double XL t-shirt. We started off our day thinking about going for a spiritual jog, but we have a backpack on. And we filled it with sandbags. And we thought, you know what would be fun? Carrying five-gallon buckets full of water. You know what else would be fun? Maybe if I put some ankle weights on. We used to do ankle weights for basketball training. That's probably why my knees are so jacked up. But I look around here spiritually, and so many people are trying to run this race for Christ. And they just put on, you know, let's put on this addiction. Let's put on this way of thinking. I don't always need to trust God. I can trust myself. Well, you know, my relationship, it's never going to get better than it is, so I'll just wear this relationship. And you don't put on just basketball shorts. You put on jeans. You soak your jeans. Make them all wet. Nothing's worse than running in wet jeans and wet shoes. Then you put on your backpack, and it's got 50 pounds of sand in it. 
I mean, we do this spiritually. If you saw somebody running like this, you would think either they're training for something crazy or they're just crazy. My brother, who's an army ranger, he's got this mask that he wears. It's a train. It's a mask that deprives him of oxygen while he runs. He's, he's not the smartest of us. But he runs down the street with his mask on. Now, he's training so that when he takes his mask off, I mean, kid can outrun uh, like anything. He could outrun my car. My car ran out of gas before he stopped running. But most of us here, we're doing it because we don't want to deal with the issues. And right now, Gideon's going to have to deal with his issues because God has said, I want you to go and tear down these altars to Baal and Asherah. And don't be afraid you're not going to die. Some of you think that I may be coming after your joy today, but I'm not. I'm, I think God's coming after your, your happiness to give you happiness, not to take happiness. He's coming to give you more pleasure, not to take pleasure. Christianity is often seen as a religion that just takes all the fun stuff and leaves the old songs and haunted carnival music, but it's not the case. So here's what happens next. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it the Lord is Peace. To this day, it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abiezrites. Now here's when Gideon goes to tear down. That night, the Lord said, take your father's bull. So A, steal something from your dad for a minute. B, take a second bull, seven years old. Pull down the altar of Baal that your father has. And cut down, or another translation for that phrase, cut down is uproot. Like Literally take all the roots up, the Asherah that is beside it. And build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the stronghold with stones laid in due order. Now there are two altars. Everyone say Baal. Everyone say Asherah. Baal was like the weather god. If you think like lightning, wind, rains, kind of like Thor with a couple extra abilities. Baal was the god that they looked to when they needed rain for their crops. Baal was the god that they cried out to when a storm was threatening their life. The Asherah pole was the fertility, sexuality god. It was the, the demonic presence that they worshipped and they said, if, we gonna have, if we're going to have a kid, we're going to go to the Asherah pole. If we need more animals and our, our herds to produce, we're going to go to the Asherah pole. And God says, Gideon, here's what you're going to do. First, you're going to Get this bull, rope it up, throw it over the Baal statue, and you're going to tear that thing down. And then you're going to cut down or uproot the Asherah. And then I want you to build on top of the stronghold. I want you to take all of these things that were once your family's center and build an altar to me. Now, uh, I don't presume to anything nowadays, but I'm just going to go on a limb and say that most people here in this room, and that we'll see in the next service, are not worshipers of Baal. Like, I don't think many of you are going home, you're not getting out the pentagram in your dining room floor, covering it with tile, doing Ouija in between snack time and dinner time, right? Okay, just to clarify. I mean, I'd be cool if it was that way, I would just have the ushers exercise the demon out of you in the lobby. And that's it. I'd be like, uh, and I'd get the big ones too. I'd be like, Frank? Edwin, somebody, get him, you know. Um, uh, I need us to understand, though, because just because we don't say, oh, I'm a worshiper of Baal, I'm a worshiper of the Asherah, doesn't mean that functionally we turn to something that is the modern-day equivalency. 
And, and the interesting thing about the Bible is that we look at all these ancient gods and we say, that's back then. We don't do these things now. We are advanced modern people now. Well, back then they had a demonic presence called Molech. Do you know what Molech was? It was the demon that, that families would sacrifice their children to. And you would think, oh, we would never do that now. We just don't call it Molech. We call it abortion. Now, Asherah is this idea of fertility and sexuality. We don't, we don't go and worship sexuality now, but what we do is we have the most sexualized culture in the history of the world. I, I want that to sink in for a minute. Our kids will be exposed to more sexually explicit images in their lifetime than in like 10 of our lifetimes before the pre-internet era. So we just don't call it Asherah. We just don't call it Molech. We just don't call it Baal. We don't, we don't turn to Baal and say, Baal, I need rain for my crops. We turn to the stock market and we say, I need you to go up for my retirement. And, and at the risk of being a super Debbie Downer today, Life is far more fragile than any of us give it credit for. Whether you're self-employed, unemployed, or very employed, life can change in an instant. Uh, Just in the past month alone, I've had multiple people come to me who lost their job out of the blue, jobs they've had for long periods of time. A person came to me who was just diagnosed with cancer. Uh, In the last month, one person got diagnosed with cancer. Stage four ended up passing away not even a month later after they got diagnosed. So like a month and a half ago, life was normal. And then within 70 days, boom, boom, boom. Life is fleeting. And we can turn to these other gods to give us a sense of security, but those things will ultimately lie to us. And and here's what you've got to do. You've got to ask yourself a couple questions if you want to tear down strongholds in your life. So, uh, everyone, close your eyes and think about this for a minute. I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to, to think about it for your life, not your spouses, not your kids, not your coworker, not your boss. What in my life do I know about that is already broken? Like, what in your life that you already know about is already broken? And keep your eyes closed. When you have it, with your eyes closed, just shoot up your hand. When you know, like, there's an area of my life that's already broken, it's disconnected from God, it's not the way it should be, I already know it. Okay, I'm going to keep your eyes closed. Just wait a couple more seconds. Okay, put your hands down. Um, so here's, here's what you're going to have to do with that thing. You could open your eyes. We already know, I, I, and I figured it would be this way. Most of us know God says this, God has designed me to do this, yet I am still thinking, doing, believing, behaving in this way that's out of alignment with God's way. It's going to be painful. Um, I've been never drug behind a bull before. Um, I've ridden a mechanical bull once. I didn't do well because I'm top heavy. All my weight is in my brain because I'm so brilliant. Um, (laughs) It just flung me off. But um, as a ridiculously non-brilliant human, um, we used to do this thing, and it's not safe. So teenagers, this is not an endorsement. This is very foolish. Um, We used to tie two surf leashes together, and we would leash one of them around a hitch of a truck um, or like put it in the trunk of a car and close the trunk. And we would stand on a skateboard and have our friends take us through the city at unnatural speeds. And this is like before the helmet day. So like if all of the mothers here are wondering, well, were you wearing a helmet? No, um, this was not that era of life. And we would be whipping around 
And, um, and the car would take you whichever way it took you. And, and you could let go, but at some speeds you realize if I let go, I'm still dead. And there was this one case in particular where, um, where I was being controlled by the vehicle. And it was my own truck. My friend was driving. I was on my skateboard. We were going fast. I don't know how fast. Somewhere probably between like 40, 50. Um, and then all of a sudden the light turned red and we were going down this hill because in California there's these uh, changes in elevation. They're called hills, okay? Um, so we're going and he... He's like, I've got to stop because it's a law. And he stops, and I'm just looking at him like slow motion, like, Stoo! that was slow motion. And I just flew through that intersection, and I'm praying, like, Jesus, take the skateboard, take it from my feet. And uh, I flew right through the intersection, and I, I realized, that was the last time I said, I, I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to. How did I get to be the one behind the car? Because at that time, you know, I'm like 240 pounds, top heavy, just ready to die. But, but I have this sense that when you're getting pulled by something powerful, like when I was getting pulled by the car, and then the car stopped, and then gravity took over, there's nothing you can do to stop it. I mean, there's a couple things, but we didn't know how that ends. You need to identify that thing that is broken in your life. You need to identify those things that you look to to find your security. What is the thing that makes you feel safe that's not God? What is the thing that makes you feel worthy that's not God and his sacrifice on the cross for you? What is the thing that makes you feel significant of value that you're turning to? Maybe it's your money. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your external appearance. Maybe it's your intellect. Whatever it is that's not God that you're saying, I need this to be somebody, God says, Take a rope, put it around a bull, tie it to your stronghold, and hit the bull and let it tear it down. But not only tear it down, I want you to go down into the roots of it and uproot this thing that is planted in your life. And this is why it gets painful. This is why today's message is it's not pleasant because going down into your roots and digging stuff up well, I don't know if you've seen it done here, but I've had a couple trees removed in my life. You know the guys you hire to remove trees? They've got this machine. First they chop it down. And then they bring this machine. And this is a machine that's angry at the earth. And they have the two handles. And if you've never seen it, basically it grinds the stump down into nothing. And they just... And then there's this gaping hole, and it's just sawdust. This is how painful it will be for some of us. Because some of us have these issues that are so broken. Some of us are saying, why can't I get my marriage right? Why can't I be a decent parent? Why can't I be an employee that is winsome and people actually like? Because somewhere back, if you trace through your family lineage, because Gideon is doing that right now, he's saying, this is at my father's house. This is what I was raised with. This is what broke me. And this is what I was afraid of. Gideon had to go all the way back to the initiating thing that broke him. Some of you have a terrible marriage. Because you're awful human beings. Serious. Some of you have a terrible marriage, and you're a decent human being, but you had a terrible life before, a terrible childhood, terrible traumatic things that happened to you. Some of you are terrible parents, maybe because you're lazy. Some of you are terrible parents because maybe your parents were terrible to you. And if you don't think that's true, the statistics bear this out. 
99.9%. Like the people who abused their children, guess what? They were often abused. If you think that's weird, isn't that weird? Isn't that weird that as a child you could be so hurt that you could say, I, I hate this, I hate, I'm scared of mom or dad or whoever, and you could have this total against the idea of being hit. And yet those are the same kids that oftentimes grow up to become parents who hit their kids. And the cycle is strong. Now, we all have an opportunity today to end and break the strongholds that are over our families. You may have blown it already for the past however many years you've been alive, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. You, maybe you didn't do anything right. Today is what matters. Because today you have the opportunity to stand up and say, I'm not going to give my life to anything but God. I'm not going to think that something else will rescue me out of the problems that I have. And it has to begin by putting your faith in God. And when we get uprooted, when we find our issue and we begin to dig at it, we go to therapy, we have a relationship with somebody where we can talk with somebody. And if you don't have that person, you've got to find that person. If you are not in community, um, even in in this crowd this morning, I, I can see at least 12 people that I know would say, hey, if someone needs a friend, I will hang out with them. If someone needs to help dig up the roots of their sin and their addiction and their strongholds and their broken thinking, I will spend time with them. If you don't have that, you've got to find that. Because here's what happens. I love this. Gideon builds the altar on on top of the stronghold. And then God says, take the second bowl and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. So Gideon took, men, took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. Because he was too, but because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. So he's still a little scared, but he took ten guys with him. And literally, he used the wood of the former idol to sacrifice to God. And you built that altar right on top of God. People um, will ask me, like, how do I get out of this sin? Or how do I get out of that sin? Or how do I get out of this addiction? Or how do I do this? It has to begin with that change of your mindset. And what I love about this passage of Gideon is that he puts the God stuff right on top of where the old, broken, busted up stuff used to be. So let me put this in a clearer thing. Um, Let's say you struggle with just drinking too much alcohol. Like, this is hyper-practical. First, get 10 of your friends and say, here's my deal, you guys. When I have a bad day, I go to the bottle. Okay? So what are we going to do? Your 10 friends are going to take it out of your house. And then they get to drink it now, and you don't. And then they're going to put Bibles in your alcohol closet. They're going to get New Testaments and wind them up into tubes and put them in your wine rack. Or if you're the person that drinks box wine, you need Jesus more than you know. But but what I'm saying is, is put God stuff right on top of the things that broke your life before. You struggle with sexual addiction? What device is it on? Or where is it at? Have you had an affair? Have you cheated on your spouse? Have you been cheated on? Where is the pain? Build God stuff right on top of it. Don't, don't say, well, I, I was so bad here, so I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go do God stuff over here. Because what happens is that then you have somewhere to look back. But if you build God's stuff right on top of the busted, broken stuff, you tear it down, it turns into rubble, and you say, God instead. Then there's nowhere else to look. The rubble is done. 
I, I, love, I love old cities. There are so many old cities in the world, we don't have any of them. But in Jerusalem, the city is layered. They literally just keep building the city on top of the rubble of the generations before, which is why roads have these big sort of uh, walls that kind of go along the side because they just kept building and building. And people kept walking, but they kept building around. And that's why in archaeology in, in Jerusalem, they can literally shave into and see what happened throughout history. For us, it's a good reminder when we build God on top of our brokenness, whatever it is, when we build God on top of our faulty thinking, we remember what was there before and we see how God is redeeming it, saving it, and overcoming it every single day. Freedom from a stronghold, freedom from a broken way of thinking doesn't happen overnight, but it happens when we have our affections changed by a greater affection. So, Let's go back to um, affections matter. What you care about matters. You're never going to get out of a stronghold until you find something that captivates your heart more. Let me do this. Um, I love a few things in life. Um, Jesus, my wife and kids, and then like bacon and coffee. Just right, that's like my upper echelon. And then my in-laws. And then my, no, I'm just kidding. Charlie, you're up higher. Um, but, but I, I love bacon. I love uh, pork belly when it's got that perfect sear where it's like crispy and the fat just sort of melts in and it kind of drips down your throat like a little slice of heaven. And all like, I know if you're Jewish or, or if you happen to be here and you're, you're a Muslim or something or you just are vegan, you're, you don't know what I'm talking about. For you, I don't know what the equivalent joy is like. Oh, salty kale chips, I don't know. Um, but, but I'll tell you what, um, because I love like bacon, Sour Patch Kids, dumplings, white rice. I mean, these are all foods that I'm praying when I get to the new kingdom. Like those are going to be what make you thin and fit. Today, it's just not the case. Now, if I want to get, if I want to change my fitness, I have to find a new affection, something that I love more than bacon, fatty meats, and cheeses. I can't just say, you know what, I'm going to give up fatty meats and cheeses until I get healthy and fit. Because I love fatty meats and cheeses. Just straight up. Not going to deny it. Now I could say, you know what I love? I want to be fit. I want to be like in shape. Well, I'll, and then I'll, here's what will happen. Two days will go by and I'll be strong as an oak. I'm going to get fit this time. And I'll have really a nebulous idea. You know what I think I want to do? I want to be a 34 waist. I want to get under X number of pounds. I could give up bacon and cheese and dumplings and rice and soy sauce just for a little bit and here's what's going to happen three days later i'll be like well i don't want to be that fit i mean just a little bowl of rice never hurt anybody five days later after i've just eaten 12 dumplings i'm going to start tomorrow because i don't actually care about my fitness as much as i care about the food that i love now here's what i'm trying to do now I'm saying, okay, um, I do that yearly physical thing that you got to do. They take your blood, and then a nurse calls you. Hello, Mr. Tarota. Yes, this is you. Oh, your cholesterol's high. Okay, give it to me. Stop eating fatty meats and cheeses. No. Anything else? Well, it would be good for your health. I know, you've told me this every year for the last three years. And some of you are going to give me fish oil recommendations. That's fine. Don't give me the recommendations. Give me the fish oil because I'm broke, okay? Um, but, but here's 
Well, one person said to me, and this is a, a theme, well, you're having your fourth child now, and you're rounding near 40, so do you want to see them graduate high school? Well, I, I guess I kind of do. Do you want to see, see your youngest child get married? Not particularly. <laughs> but, but I think about it, and I see like the joys of, of living for Christ longer, of, of bringing people into the, the family of God. And I think, you know what, I think I might want to be around. How good does that like daily consumption of bacon look now? I, and I, I'll always eat bacon. But I, where I used to literally eat, probably like when I would sit down, I would take the, the one pound, and I'd eat at least a half of that pack by myself a day. Just at least a half a pack of bacon. Just boom. And now I'm like, you know, I love bacon. I love the way it tastes. I love the sound it makes. But, but man, do I want to be around for my kids? Yeah. Some of you, right now, you love the stronghold. You love it. You love it more than I love bacon. You love your addiction. You love your way of thinking because you are in charge. You are the boss. You are in control. You are the dictator and the king or queen of your own destiny. And God's saying, look, if you want, if you want to find freedom here, if you want your marriage to change, your, your attitude to change, your trust to change, your faith to change, you need to tear these things down and begin worshiping me on the rubble of those former strongholds. You can't keep going back. So you say, what's the new affection? What is it that I'm going to be in love about? Like, why would Gideon do this? Because Gideon had a God that said, right now you're afraid, but I'm going to be with you, and you're not going to die. It's the same story in Christianity. God says, right now you're, you're afraid that if you let go of something, you're not going to have the pleasure. You're not going to have the control. You're not going to have the whatever. But Jesus said, despite that, you don't need to be afraid because if you, if you come here, you're not going to die. And if you come here, you have me who will love you unconditionally. When you blow it, I love you 100%. When you're great, I love you 100%. You have someone now who will stand with you and pick you up in your darkest moments even when everyone else turns away. The new affection that replaces our strongholds is not just one of saying, be better, be better, be better, be better. It's one of saying, I can't believe I'm so loved by God that he himself would be the sacrifice on top of the altar of my old strongholds. That Jesus would say, I will die so that these things in your past can be put to rest. And if that doesn't melt your heart, then, then you've, you've just flown by Christianity. If it doesn't melt your heart that Jesus loved you in such a radical degree that he would give his life to pay for everything, and then even when you fail miserably today, he will still love you because he already paid for it. If that doesn't sit on top of the old ashes, then you've got to Figure out which angle of looking at the good news of Jesus will get your heart on fire for that. Because the old strongholds, what I tend to see people do is try to walk away, like I walk away from bacon, and then I go back. I walk away from this unhealthy habit, and I go back. Instead of saying, no, there's, there's a better way. There's a better way. So make a plan. 
Get a team. Get 10 people with you. If you don't have a team of people, if you're like, I have these strongholds, I have these broken areas in my life, but I know no one. I'm here for the first time. What do I do? I'll give you my phone number. You can text me at midnight. I'll text you back the next morning. You can, you can get my father-in-law's phone number. You can get Edwin's phone number. You can get Gary's phone number. You can say, hey, I don't have a team. I'm new. What do I, I want to get rid of this thing in my life. My marriage is broke. My finances are broken. I don't trust God. I'm so angry at him. I don't get it. Get your 10 people. And don't even, if you can't find 10, just find one or two. And at Band of Brothers, we call it our up, down, side to side. Find someone that's pouring into you. Find someone that you can pour life into. And find people that walk with you through the hard stuff. Because sometimes it's going to take a couple people to pull down the bale or the asher of your life. If you're here today and you're wrestling with like past shame, guilt, fear, lack of forgiveness for yourself or for others, um, is, is there anyone here like that that's going through any of that? If you don't want to raise your hand, that's fine. But if you're here and you're like that, I want to give or loan, because I'm going to have this like chain around, I want to loan a couple people something just to tell me how it works. Because these strongholds, they mess with our perception of God's love for us. And they tell us, God doesn't love you. God isn't there for you. God isn't going to protect you. Those are the lies that break our minds. And, and this is something that I watched recently. I've watched it probably like six times. Um, there's a bad word in it, so watch, don't watch it with kids unless you don't mind one single bad word with them. But it's, I, want, I wanted something that would melt some hard hearts to see how amazing God's love is for them. If that's you today, you can come up here afterward um, and, and do that. So, so here's how the rest of the service is going to go. I'm going to pray. Um, we'll have offering in the back today um, just because I went a little bit long. And, and I'm going to pray for us. And then as, as we leave today, I just want to encourage you uh, to not leave with your strongholds intact, to, to find somebody. And we're going to have elders up at the front here. Corey's going to play some soft music. Um, this, that's how I want today to end. So if, you, if you're not getting prayer, if you don't want to say, hey, can I check that out? Um, just, I'm going to invite you after we pray to head to the back. And then people that need prayer, please come to the front. Because some of these things need to be confessed in the light. Gideon did it in the dark. It wasn't until later that he lived in the light. But today we have to bring some of our things to the light to find forgiveness and freedom that we're looking for. So let me, let me pray. Uh, Father, I thank you for this day. And Lord, I'm... I'm hopeful, Lord, that your love will melt hard hearts. I'm hopeful that people who have been in a stronghold for years and decades will finally say, it's, it's enough. I've tried a hundred other ways, but I need, to, I need to find the new affection for Jesus. I need to fix my eyes on Jesus and cast off every weight that's slowing me down so that I can be free so that I can say the word peace and actually have a sense of what it means. Lord, I, um, I pray for those people. God, I pray. I pray because Christ came to set us free indeed. And I'm tired and weary of seeing people turn to slavery, of broken thinking. So break through today change people today, melt hearts today, and help people to build an altar to you on top of the rubble of their past brokenness. In Jesus' name, all God's kids said, amen.